Alrighty, friends, we are back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 609, and we are recording on February the 28th. Yes, it is the last day of February. March is upon us. Uh, Brianna, how are you doing? I'm good. We got um, some snow last night, so I'm excited to just, you know, do our podcast and then go make some snow angels or something with my kids. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we got a little bit too, but it's uh, it's all kind of washed away already this morning as it's warm. And uh, yeah, but uh, all good. Well, let's jump into it. We have a busy show, four stories and a special guest uh, this week. So I'll let Aubriana kick us off. All right. Well, let's start with um, tequila. It's a little too early for that right now, but Nonetheless, uh, apparently Margarita Day, National Margarita Day, you know, it's like there's a holiday for everything today. Um, February 22nd was National Margarita Day and Patron, yes, Bacardi's Patron tequila brand, um, they celebrated with some AI um, and a partnership with Becky G. If you're not familiar, she is a Latina artist. Um, so they, they promoted their new AI art tool. It's called the Patron Dream Margarita. Uh, generator. So this is live still, I believe. I haven't tried it yet, but maybe later tonight I will when it's not, you know, 10 a.m. Um, so what it does is it's like you can create this dream margarita. So you go to the site, um, the Patron Dream Margarita generator asks questions. So you have to put in your dream location, your favorite flavor, and garnish. And then this like bespoke AI generated um, art piece is going to appear. It has like these integrated responses from the prompts. Um, so it's personalized. And then, you know, it's giving you like this image that you can promote and share on your social media. Uh, they also allowed for uh, the contest is over, but you were also entered to win a trip to New York to see Becky G perform. Um, so you could include the hashtag Patron Dream Margarita and Patron Street uh, Sweepstakes. So they also said that they're going um, you know, to release, it wanted to create this like AI power tool that built off some of their recent um, things that they've done. So I think it, back in the summer, they did a summer made sensational Patron pop-up series um, and an NFT foray. So they were being active in the metaverse. I think they're just trying some new things. Um, I like this is fun. Like it's, it's fun from a brand perspective to be using AI I think a lot of times like we get very calloused in the tech space talking about like AI and ML, such a buzzword and we're just over it. We're like, whatever, everybody's got AI and ML, but it's fun for the brands and for consumers, I think, to jump in and be like, oh, what's new with this and what can I create here and what can I do there? Um, so I think that this is really a, uh, a fun and cheeky way to use AI for for something that's like a brand and a drink and creation. And I like that they wove in the social aspect to it where it was shareable um, as well as like a sweepstakes. So what do you think? I love it. I think it's it's super creative. It's a simple, easy uh, use case around AI. Um, I like that they're kind of leaning into, you know, sort of the vibe of, of, of Patron, if you will, in terms of, you know, vacations or dream locations and, um you know sort of creating this this sort of concept art if you will for the these bottles and things like that i think that's really interesting and in that it's shareable you know with these hashtags and so on i did while you were talking I, I tried to jump onto the site to see if i could do it and i think it's it's limited to the us it looks like it's uh, my ip was blocked because of the country uh so you might want to try that um it's just patrondreammargarita.com all one word 
um, but it's it, it's blocking me. So um, I think it's a U.S. only uh, thing. Rejected. Uh, <laughs> huh? I, I got I rejected. rejected. <laughs> come on. Now that you're, now you're gonna have to send me a free bottle. Like, come on. Um, yeah. No, I love I love what these guys do. Uh, I live uh, in the beach in Toronto, and last summer they had a pop up kind of like this big tent, you know, uh, that was set up like a little vacation resort. Um, and you can go sample different cocktails made with Patron and things like that. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, so I like that they're kind of, you know, leaning into that, that brand a little bit. And, and I like that there's this social media and sweepstakes component to it. And, you know, uh, I can't say I'm familiar with Becky G, um, uh, but you know, I'm going to go look that up and see, see if I can get into it. So I like it. You won't be sorry. I won't be sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, uh, I, you know, when I'm driving, I do, I do uh, my series XM, I have my Caliente uh, channel on. So maybe Becky G will come on there. So. There okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. All right. Jumping over to Sweden now. Uh, Ikea over there where they're based uh, has teamed up with Meta, uh, formerly Facebook, and uh, getting into using the Meta AR uh, platform for shoppers visiting stores in Sweden this month. And so uh, in partnership with a company called Warpin Reality, uh, which I like that name, Warpin Reality, that's a cool AR name. Um, they are focusing on their children's collection, which I'm going to, I cannot pronounce, Blav, Blavingad, I don't know how you say that, but that's Swedish uh, children's collection of furniture. Uh, and they created this thing called The Little Adventure. And it's an AR game that opens up an Instagram filter, uh, and it's focused on increasing interest and knowledge about life in the ocean, uh, in particular, and sustainability and things like that. Um, so kids can virtually swim with various sea creatures, learn more about them. Um, and it's all activated through in-store QR codes. So you can walk between different stations, scan the QR codes, uh, and the AR uh, activation happens. Um, there's different themes uh, with as you move about around, you know, sort of, uh, as I said, sustainability, um, you know, preventing, you know, littering and, and pollution uh, of, of the oceans and things like that, um, you know, reducing uh, sort of the plastic that gets thrown in there. Um, and, and so I, I think it's super interested that they're kind of tying in the environment and fun and AR all together here. And then you can take pictures with your um, sea creatures and then save those and share those. So those are kind of fun, I think, for the parents and the kids as well. Um, and the last point here is, is that, uh, this is all built on the Meta Spark AR platform, and IKEA is the first uh, retailer in the world uh, to build an activation on this. So uh, very interesting. Only available in Sweden uh, at 21 stores across the country, uh, and it was launched on February 13th. Thoughts? Well, I like the idea of telling your kid to go like play with the dolphins while you try and figure out which sofa you want. Um, but I, I mean, I think that it's fun. I like that they are integrating and weaving in like their new store line with um, an experience, especially for like the kids. And I know, I feel like Ikea does this 
somewhat well. I know that even here in the States, I mean, they have like the kids area where you can drop your kids off while you go shop. And I don't even know if that's still a thing or still open, but it was for a while in Atlanta when I would go to Ikea here and there many years ago. But I, I like that they're making this like an experiential shopping thing. I think that they're, you know, the way that they have woven in this new line, um, what's it called? Blavingad into, into like the sea creatures and, and then the winter sports theme is fun. And, you know, they're, again, like this is, you said, they're the first retailer that are on that, on that platform in the metaverse. So I think being able to like weave that in as well and test things out is always great. So not a ton to add there, but it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just before we jump into our next story, uh, I want to just highlight that uh, we have a guest interview. So uh, last week, I had a chance to sit down with Jamie McGraw. He's global product manager at Aero Electronics, a big player in the digital signage and out of home space. Um, and it was an interesting conversation. Uh, we talked about a wide array of topics uh, and sort of trends in that space. So uh, without further ado, here's Jamie McGraw. All right, I'm super excited this week as we have a special guest on uh, Location Weekly, and his name is Jamie McGraw. He's the Global Product Manager at Aero Electronics. Jamie, welcome to Location Weekly. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, great to uh, see you. I'm excited to talk about uh, all the things that we're going to uncover today. So maybe just as a start for the five people out there in our audience who don't know Aero Electronics yet, who, who, who are you guys? What do you guys do? And, and specifically, what uh, product group are you uh, responsible for? Sure. So Aero Electronics is a global technology company. Uh, we got our start in New York City on Radio Row. Now we uh, have expanded um, and, and uh, located in Denver, Colorado, and uh, we really service a large aspect of the technology market, ranging from components all the way through to full-on solutions and services. So we're, we're sort of a, a full gamut of the technology field uh, and long-tenured in the industry too. Um, now, specifically my role, I work within the Seneca product group. And we're a product group that's focused on video and visual aspects. Um, we see data points, uh, the, the, probably the fastest growing data point that gets transferred and transitioned is video-based and, and we have a very heavy focus those solutions range from uh, physical surveillance, security, and then digital signage and, and the digital out of home industry. Yeah, so I'll pick up on the last point. I mean, obviously, in our world at the Location Based Marketing Association, you know, when we look at at location based marketing, digital out of home is definitely a big piece of that. Um, is, is there a specific segment or problem area where you find your offerings, you know, are well addressed versus kind of the broad world of, you know, guys like Clear Channel and CBS Outdoor and all these sort of big players that are out there? Um, like, is there a niche that you guys are playing or a problem you're trying to address? I think the niche that we play in is the, the deliverable experience um, for out of home. And, and what do I mean by that? I think our niche is having a solution that is more than just a playback device. Um, I think as we watch that industry as a whole, right, it's become so much more than just playing video or content at the edge, right? And as we've watched, I'll call it like, I'll call it the maturation of the industry as we as we've watched that it's there's been a compelling shift so when i talk about our niche it's the ability to help those planning the results of that endpoint and bring it bringing it to fruition uh in scale 
right? And uh, I think when we talk about our niche, it's the understanding of what it takes to plan, build, operate, and scale out, and then maintain a network, right? Uh, so for ad operators and folks out there, there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a compelling need to have a solutions partner to help you take those, um, I'll call them concepts, right? Of, uh, you know, uh, and dreams of revenue generation uh, and taking them to fruition and actually showing that over time and cost of ownership that there really can be an ROI. And a lot of that happens on the very beginning when you select the right partner. So I would call that our niche. Okay. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, I like that it's, it's kind of, you know, there's a holistic view to kind of what you're trying to do uh, from that perspective. You know, you, you mentioned something that I'm going to pick up on it. And cause you know, as I look at and kind of from a research point of view and an industry growth point of view right now, one of the hot, hottest topics, and it's going to be a topic at our upcoming retail local conference uh, is sort of the, the growth or the rise of, of retail media networks in particular, we have a lot of retail members uh, within the LVMA, uh, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, all, you know, all these, all these stores have, you know, are launched or have launched, you know, their own media network inside uh, of the, the physical operations uh, heavily in many cases relying on, right. you know, digital signage right. solutions. Is that a space where you guys are finding, you know, sort of new legs or growth opportunities as well? Is there something you can comment on there or a particular client uh, example you can share? Sure. So I, and you're, you're spot on. We are seeing that growth in that aspect. And I think, you know, versus leveraging a third party ad space versus owning and operating your own network. I think the, I think the trend there is the ways to monetize it. And I think that's why organizations, like you mentioned, are looking to do that. And there's the, the term monetize could probably go a zillion different ways, right? And aspects of monetization. I think we are seeing that trend. And, you know, just as a few examples, we have done um, you know, to the tens of thousands of endpoints for um, individual, um, you know, retailers owning those, you know, networks. And, and I think when it comes to working in that playing field where it's draw a circle around 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 endpoints and managing that network and the ins and outs that go there, um, I think we've gotten very versed at being able to deliver those solutions. I'll give you an example. Um, we had a convenience store um, looking to do advertising space behind the counter on very narrow racks. And we worked with that end user uh, and that um, entity, call them, right, uh, in developing a solution that would not only uh, mount uh, tidally and scroll down and flip down and be movable as an ad space, but we built the infrastructure network to monitor those in their entire duration as well as the connectivity failovers and aspects. So whether we're talking about doing tests that it's not going to break, folding and flipping down, it, or the aspect of connectivity where there's failover into maybe public cellular and things like that. And then the powering and the accommodations to be installed in those locations. I think those are aspects where when we consider signage or we consider out of home networks, those are the little attentions to details that make uh, uh, one of those entities like you spoke about putting a network out in mass to be able to manage that. And that monetization piece that I started with, I think really comes down over time. Sure, we can draw lines to monetization on the advertising space immediately, but there's the cost of the ownership and replacement and logistics scale and all, all those aspects that really go to making it either a successful deployment over time or not. So we are seeing that trend, like you mentioned, and we are, you know, um, 
our services are based around helping those types of deployments at scale. Yeah, and that makes complete sense to me. So I want to shift the conversation slightly to um, a different area. Obviously, you know, at, at the Location-Based Marketing Association, we're looking at, you know, location data, proximity, and right. these kinds of things. So when you see these kinds of networks, or, you know, even in the example you just gave, um, how do you guys view, or do you even get involved in sort of the measurement side of things in terms of engagement, um, you know, are, you know, how many people are seeing, you know, those ads or how many people are in proximity to those screens or those types of things. Is that a space that you guys are uh, um, trying to, to aid, uh, you know, clients with as well? It is. And, and actually we, it's funny, we, we approach it in like a unique way because for us, we're not monetizing the impressions, but yeah to get acute impressions. And what we're talking about is really the ability to scale your costing basis there based on insights you can glean, whether that's dwell time, uh, you're doing demographics or statistics or things like that. What we work on is the technology on the forefront. So understanding that the, how do I phrase it? The paradigm of the, the infamous media player that was delivering media is now incorporated into really a full-fledged IoT device. You know, I kind of call it like signage plus because we're doing so much more. So that sort of point you just made is really about having a design that will be able to be installed in remote locations, both from an environmental stance, uh, connect in those locations that are out of the home, right? And increasingly further, and if we think of examples of points of dwelling or interaction from the human engagement, we're talking about things like maybe even like gas stations or charging stations or who knows, right? The, the realm of possibilities is growing every day and it's because we're able to connect and we're able to have a solution that really can accommodate things like sensors, things like cameras for computer vision. So that paradigm of not just media players, not just delivering signage, but this is a full-on experience. And not only are we going to monetize the delivery because it's targeted, but we're also achieving insights and grabbing data that can be monetized behind that endpoint as well. And having a solution that can do all of that on an enterprise scale of um, you know, uh, equipment and technology, and then be an enterprise organization that can back that up from a logistics. That's again, where we're kind of finding our foothold. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as we see the, the growth in the retail media network side, you know, definitely the data analytics piece is, is hot as well right now. And everybody's trying to find ways to, to measure and justify and, you know, kind of, you know, show, show performance. Right. So um, I think that's interesting. So we've got a couple minutes left here and I'm going to ask you sort of the, you know, the catch all question, but, you know, if you look into your crystal ball, you know, let's say 18, 24 months from now, uh, from maybe you can either address this as an industry or specifically to, to Arrow, but, you know, where do you see things going? What's next? Is there some technology on the horizon that you're excited about? You know, you mentioned computer vision already, but, you know, is there, is, is there something out there in your mind that is, you know, where, where you need to go? I think it's that signage plus model. I think having solutions that accommodate, um, the ability to pull as much data, if not more, as you're bringing to the edge. I think the it's always been preceded by monetization, right? And I keep using that phrase. If even just when we talked analog days of paper, um, you know, advertisements, 
you sit on a train, you're on a taxi, the side, anywhere that the eye is going to catch, the ability to engage there has always been the driving factor, impressions. The fact that we can make impressions, and we'll call them consensual uh, impressions, right, into apps, into things like Bluetooth, near-field computer vision. The endpoints that we have, which are delivering content, when we have the ability to extrapolate things like air sensor, air quality sensors, uh, heat mapping for store layouts, maybe even inventory aspect of, of the computer vision, and, and the list goes on. The ad space that is the generation of revenue is more, more than just that. And it is that ability to extrapolate data. And as we find better ways to glean insights, like we've had this whole like, yeah, we're getting, we're getting analytics. We have all the statistics, but like, what do we do with them? As we in, get more intelligent in the ways to take those insights, the ways to sell that data, monetize that, monetize that data, I think we'll see the need for those endpoints to get increasingly sophisticated. Um, so if I was talking 18 to 24 months, I think we've seen that trend in smart cities, these very halo large scale prod projects. That trend should become more commoditized and I expect that to happen, especially inside of the ad networks uh, and network operators where they do have a, a point of revenue that they're generating to fund those endpoints, so. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for for these insights and for sharing a little bit about what you're doing. Again, we, for our audience, we've been chatting with Jamie McGraw. He's a group product manager at Aero Electronics and specifically the Seneca uh, division that he's responsible for. Thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on uh, the show and uh, just bringing some insights to us. Uh, for our audience out there, uh, if you're listening to this uh, and you're in this space or you're looking for solutions in this, uh, Arrow is a great place to go. Um, so we encourage you to take a look at what they're doing. And hopefully we'll see, see you guys at uh, our Retail Local Conference at Mall of America in June. Um, and uh, you can get involved in that and uh, see you in person. So thanks awesome. so much. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. All right, well, let's go over to Tel Aviv, where a brand, or I should say a tech provider uh, called Shopik, has announced now that they are deploying at least 2,000 smart carts by the end of March. Um, and this is going to be across Shufersal supermarkets in Israel. So uh, Shufersal is, is uh, piloting, they've been piloting the Shopik enabled smart cart and they've had some tremendous results. So I'm just going to run through some of the stats that they've seen, which I'm actually pretty impressed by. So they have reported that 12 to 15% of their revenue that was processed by, has been processed by the Shopik solution um, and that Shopik users, those customer baskets are actually 78% larger than the average basket size. That's a massive increase, right? Um, monthly spending by those shoppers also rose 8%. And then there was this, throughout the pilot, they saw that it was less than one minute to check out. Um, that's compared to like nine minutes with a, a personal, you know, a, a real human being checking you out. And then three and a half minutes whenever you're doing self-checkout. Uh, throughout those lanes. So drastically faster, improved shopping cart sizes, all of those things. And they're also getting some positive feedback in terms of like those um, focus groups and the, the customer engagement. So they're having 85 to 95% customer satisfaction scores. Um, and I think that these results have been peaking interest worldwide. We've got 
Wegmans that apparently here, you know, stateside, they have recently revealed that they're going to be testing these smart carts in Amherst and Rochester, New York. So they're gathering feedback from this like small groups, group of customers. And this comes just after, I don't know if you remember, probably, you know, six months ago or so, we talked about how Wegmans ended their uh, scan and go service. You know, it just wasn't very economically sound for them. And apparently they were having a lot of uh, loss. Um, so due to like loss prevention efforts, maybe this is a better effort for them. And then I think this is a great market to get into. So um, research shows that global smart cart shopping market uh, was at 1.4 billion last year. And they're expecting it in the next, um, you know, seven years to have a, a compound annual growth rate of 27.5-ish percent to about 9.7 billion. Um, I'm not sure, obviously that's a global number, so that's huge. And I think that there's some, some larger shopping, uh, you know, centers or shopping offerings like retailers specifically in grocers that could take advantage of this. So I think this is really interesting. I think the numbers are speaking for themselves. I love that the data was provided in this story. Uh, you know me, I'm always asking how effective is it really? And so I think that this is um, really, I expect to see this kind of rolling out to a lot, a lot more, um, especially, you know, specifically supermarkets worldwide, but very interesting. What do you think? Yeah. So I'm not going to add a ton, but I like a. I, I like that you kind of brought up what we had talked about in the past on the show about you know their experiments with uh, self checkouts and kind of the the losses that they incurred around that and shutting that down. Um, and but you know not sort of giving up, looking for kind of alternative technologies. You know that you know make the experience seamless and easier for for the for the consumer. Um, the the one thing I really like about this this particular technology is that it's a clip on device that you just grab off of a shelf and add to your existing shopping cart. So you don't have to go and buy as as a as a retailer. You don't have to go buy all these sort of like brand new shopping carts with integrated technology and all this kind of stuff built into it. It's it's part of you know you just keep the shopping carts you've always had. Just grab one of these, put it on your cart and you start shopping, putting items in, using computer vision to detect what's there, it's super accurate. Uh, and you can do self-checkout, you know, on the on the device. So I think that's really interesting to me. And, and uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think you're gonna see a lot of growth in this space. I think the whole automated self-checkout space is, is, is an ever evolving topic and fast growing at the moment. And, you know, at our upcoming Retail Loco, um, in June at Mall of America, we're going to have an entire panel on this topic. So hopefully guys like Shopik and Wegmans and others will be there um, and maybe can share about, you know, these experiences directly. And I like that, you know, the numbers are pointing in the right direction around, you know, the growth of this space. So good yeah. on Shopik. Cool. All right. Final story. We're going to jump back to Sweden now. Uh, this time we're going to talk about McDonald's. And this is kind of a fun uh, little campaign. Uh, so it's a, a play on digital out of home. And essentially uh, what they've done is they've taken a traditional di digital out of home billboard display uh, and kind of built it so that it looks like, uh, like sort of built some framing around it and so on and makes it look like a food truck. Uh, so it's got wheels at the bottom and and so on. And then there's a sort of a screen in the middle uh, of the sort of encasing, if you will. And uh, the idea is they they launched a new uh, fried chicken burger uh, at McDonald's in Sweden. And they're like, you know, this is kind of like a street food type of uh, meal. 
And so we're kind of going with the food truck, you know, type of promotion around this. Um, and so basically, if you're on the streets, uh, you walk up to this uh, billboard and on the screen is a, a chef like being projected from one of the restaurants uh, through the screen, uh, like a, in a live stream type of scenario. And you can see the chef preparing the chicken burger uh, there. And um, basically, you scan a QR code on the screen uh, to activate, you know, the the video from to start running you see the chef preparing the sandwich and then the chef basically sends you a coupon for a free uh chicken sandwich um to your phone through the mcdonald's app so number one it's driving downloads for mcdonald's app in sweden number two it's kind of engaging people on the streets uh where they are uh and promoting this new new piece um and then number three the the coupon that you just received for the chicken burger on your McDonald's app is, and they, they're kind of placed these digital out of home uh, displays very near to McDonald's restaurants. Um, and so then you just take the coupon and you walk, you know, you know, a few hundred meters or whatever it is to the, uh, the McDonald's restaurant and you can redeem that for um, your free sandwich. So I think this is pretty interesting. It's a kind of fun way to engage people where they are and kind of going with this sort of street food type of play uh, is fun. And it was, uh, the campaign was put together by NordDDB uh, for McDonald's in Sweden. Yeah, I like this. I think it's cute. Um, and at first when I was reading this, I was like, oh no, like old cheeseburgers, not, you know, being fresh, sitting there, just thinking about it. And then I was like, okay, okay. I like that it directed them to the nearest McDonald's. I think that that gives them an opportunity, obviously, to upsell because somebody's going to want fries or a drink um, as well. So I do think that this is like a, a, I don't know, it's creative. And I think that it probably drives a little bit of traffic to the stores. And interesting, My, I guess my question would be, is there a way to do something with a actual food truck? You know, I think that there's a good opportunity to be able to do something like that for these fast food stores um, that I would say, you know, they, they're constantly, it's interesting when you look at like the, the QSR space and you see how performance maybe is like declined and they're always trying to come out with new products that drive those, like, you know, those people who want to try it all, they want to try the crunchy Dorito wrap or like the McRib again or whatever it may be just to make sure it's still tastes the same. So I like that they're like trying to, to drive more traffic into their stores um, from something like this. And, and I think it's like an actionable um, out of home experience. So yeah, Sweden's got it going on this week. I mean, lots happening over there. Ikea, <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah. We're going to have to go visit soon. Uh, Rihanna, try this stuff out in person. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, let's, do, let's do it. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and watching. Thank you, Jamie, for uh, joining in with a guest interview uh, this week. Uh, if you have feedback, uh, story ideas, reach out to us, please. Uh, we're easily found on all the social media channels. Give us some likes some love on whatever podcast platform you're consuming this on. And we'll be back next week, of course, with another show. Um, and have a great week, everybody. See you soon. Bye. Mm -hmm.